Happy Halloween, everyone, and per the norm, I'm solo in costume. Do or do not. <laughs> there is no try. There is no try. <laughs> I've told that to my daughter recently. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. We are live in Studio B, and yes, I've got my Han Solo boots. Nice boots, dude. To see. If you're ever Jack Sparrow, you can just switch those uh, in for that. It'll be good. <laughs> they could, yeah, they could double as pirate boots for Absolutely. sure. Why? Why not? This is your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. And you have there waited long enough. There we go. The big reveal. Tom Homo enters Studio B with <laughs> It's a Star Wars theme. It's perfect. Yes, it's Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> Holy snakes. So good. The tallest Yoda ever. Oh, 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 my. oh, old, oh. Man, old man Yoda showing up here. He is the Jedi Master Yoda. Tom, welcome to Studio B on a Star Wars-themed Halloween. Been a long time since I've been here. <laughs> yes, it has. You're the, can you hear out of the? I can hear. Yeah. <laughs> My hearing is still good. At 800 years plus old, the hearing is good. Uh, wow, incredible, incredible stuff. Hey, I feel like we showed up today. Now, baby Yoda, <laughs> baby Yoda. <laughs> Do you know Grogu? Are you friends with Grogu? Yes, very well. <laughs> They're all connected. Tom, this is unbelievable. Like, we always are like, man, what's he going to do this year? How is he going to outdo himself? And I say we, but mostly you. Uh, actually connected here in the same universe, which is pretty cool. There was, by the way, zero no plans for this. Yeah. No conversation at all about this, about Star Wars. And it yeah, just at happened. Least you two. This is just the kidding. this is karma. This is this is protect Yoda at all costs. Yes, we hope he doesn't disappear suddenly during the interview. That's our one <laughs> kind of hope here. Possible. Yeah. <laughs> Don't yeah, we'll be be careful. Don't say anything dumb because uh, then we might be putting like some type of force stranglehold. Yeah, yes, there will be. So, yeah, well, yeah. Careful. <laughs> I'm rising out of my chair. I'm sorry. Uh, wow. How long were how long were you in costume preparation today? Couple hours with my dear friend Janine, who does all the makeup, and then we had to get the costume together with uh, my sister-in-law Rhonda. Wow, Janine Hollenshaus does yep. this every yep. year. She's clearly the best, and Rhonda—I mean, this is an elite costume. Are we seeing the feet here as well, everybody? Are we seeing the feet. We got three toes. We got three fingers. This is all super legit. Okay, how how long ahead of time do you come up with what you're going to do? Do you know next year's already? No, I, I really forgot. I mean, sometime in the summer now, it's become, it's, it's a little bigger than I thought it would ever get. <laughs> so when people start asking me what I'm going to be in June and July, I figure, uh-oh, I better start thinking about what it's going to be. So I usually, I have a few ideas, and I, I text a message to, always to Janine and go, can we do this one? And I give the name. And there's like a, it depends on how long the, re, the response is delayed. <laughs> and you, she's never said no. Mm. There's been a few that we've passed on. And then I have to go to Rhonda Montgomery and see if she can pull it off. Like Rafiki, she had never really done fur costuming for a um, 
it's of an, an animal, and so that one was a little bit tougher. So this one was, I go, hey, it's just fun. Oh, it's was this one you wanted to do for a few years? Because Yoda's like, no, a, this is a classic, I, amazing one. I mean, I'm not a big Star Wars fan. Okay. I mean, I remember going to opening night mm -hmm. like years ago. It was 77? 77, yeah. 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 And, uh, and we had to wait in line for like four hours to get into the show. So by the time I got in there, I was half asleep anyway. And, <laughs> was that in Provo uh, or back home in California? Back home in California, yeah. This I was in high school. Yeah. And uh, that, so, but I, I love all the characters. I love the, the morals, the, the great truths yes. that Yoda speaks. Yes. And so um, it doesn't really have anything to do with current events going on at this point in time. <laughs> BYU Athletic Director Tom Homo, as Yoda, AKA is with Yoda. us on BYU Sports Nation. Did you ever envision that this would become, like, such a national phenomenon? Because everybody picks up on this. Like, Bleacher Report. Darren Ravel is Darren like, Ravel. Yeah, he, he like, to, it, it goes viral every year. So do you, do you no. feel any pressure with this? No. I mean, I, like I said it before, the, the student-athletes here, when I didn't dress up uh, originally, they started getting after me. And then I tried to do a little cheap one, and like was Justin Bieber. I had like a T-shirt and a little wig and some <laughs> little silly stuff, and they dogged me even further. So I said, okay, that's it. And then I hooked up with Janine, and then a couple years later with Rhonda, and you know the rest is history. <laughs> well, I, I think this plays into whether you mean it or not, BYU Athletics, which is if we're gonna do it, let's do it well. And now we have this, the report of the Big 12 TV contract. Um, and, and, you know, we're waiting for the official announcement, but too many, too much fire, uh, smoke there not to be fire, right? What, do, what does that mean for BYU Athletics? Like, what are you going to be able to do that you haven't been able to do? Well, I, I think it goes back to, uh, like, the beginning of the last football season when we were invited to be part of the Big 12. That's what it's all about. That's what we were fighting for. Um, we knew that things if they continued on and, and went as according to plan, things would be better for us. But there's been some ups and downs and in-betweens with conference expansion and shrinking and expanding and all the different things going on. And we weren't you know, really sure where this was ever gonna land. And it hasn't landed yet. You know, nothing's really quite official, but obviously with the news of the last day, you can see that things are very, very close. And I think what that does is it gives us opportunities. And that's what we've always been waiting for, is opportunities for our student athletes to play against the very best week in and week out. We've tried to play great competition, and we feel we have. Our assistant coaches and our head coaches have tried to put together great non-conference uh, schedules. The WCC has been very good at the top of the, all the sports. And here we are now, mm looking, getting an experience of what it's going to be to play tough, tough teams week in and week out. And we know that we have, we've learned a lot in this year. This was been, it, we knew it was going to be a transition year in many regards. We didn't think it would take a left turn like it has, but all of this will be preparation for next year when we enter the Big 12. I'm not sure if the great Yoda had foresight into the figures that were going to be put into this deal. <laughs> we were just talking about expectations Brett Yormark has done a fantastic job from what we can tell from, you know, our wide view here. And, and again, we're not in the nitty gritty, but did, did the numbers and the figures that came out yesterday exceed your expectations? Well, I, I think when you looked at what happened with the Big 12 last year when they lost a couple 
um, longtime standing members in Oklahoma and Texas, you know, the country, sports enthusiasts everywhere thought it was the beginning of the end. And so I think when, when Bob Bowlesby went out and got the four of us, BYU, Cincinnati, UCF, and, and uh, Houston, that that was a big move. Mm -hmm. People weren't quite sure what that meant. And then uh, when Brett Yormark came in and went to work right away immediately to try to put together and make everybody see that this is going to be something different. We'll see what different means, but obviously broadcast partners have thought that this difference is going to be something special. And that's we're all grateful for that. Fantastic stuff. It's it's uh you know we're getting some serious answers here as Yoda, and you're still <laughs> moving the hands. <laughs> um, Chris Ortega on Twitter. Happy Tom Homo Day. It it is that <laughs> in BYU Sports Nation. It is Tom Homo Day and on thanks, Halloween. And thanks for including us as a part of the tradition. Oh, for sure. In here. It's uh, one of the things that you said about being all in is when I came to BYU, it was interesting that a lot of the student athletes dress up. They have a, there's, it's a spirited place. There's a lot yeah. of people on campus. I don't know how many campuses across the country. Look, we're stone cold, stone cold sober, and we dress up on Halloween, and that's a good thing. <laughs> and I love, like, what I do today is I go around to a lot of the teams, and it's fun, and it makes us happy. We find joy in our relationships, and it's going on to build. So it's not just about me. This is about putting our arms around Cougar Nation. It's a good day for Cougar Nation, so... Go Cougs. Hey, not that you need my blaster or protection, but it's there for you if you'd like it, okay? And I'm ready to take the Millennium Falcon up to uh, Boise and beat the odds, Tom. That I, I lost my lightsaber on the way over here. <laughs> but I'll find it. Let's you go. lost it when you didn't uh, sense that uh, Palpatine was the emperor, but that's a whole nother discussion. Thanks for coming in, Tom. Do or do not. <laughs> There is no try. There is no try. I've told that to my daughter recently. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. And that takes us to... The question of injury impact or just an excuse. Did you see Deep Impact? You remember that movie? I have not seen that Oh, I like that one. You should watch it. It came out around the same time as Armageddon, but anyway. (laughs) All of those uh, Armageddon-type Yes, the Y2K, World's Ending era. BYU football is feeling their own version of Armageddon, Mm Jerem. 42 different starters this season, which is tied for third most in the entire country. I believe trailing... First place, Texas A&M and somebody else. New Mexico. New Mexico, that's right. Here's Kalani Satake on the challenge of dealing with so many injury setbacks. Unfortunately, we had some injuries, had to replace guys, and that's not an excuse other than our, our, we have good depth and good talent, but uh, that's hard to replace a lot of the experience. I don't want to close my. He says it's (laughs) not an excuse, but should it be an excuse? (sighs) How much. Have these injuries impacted the results? 19 different starters on offense, 23 on defense. Jerem, what do you think? How much of this is impacting BYU's results? We don't want to admit it, but it has, right? Right after the game on Friday, I tweeted, this roster is way more like the UAB team than the Baylor game team, right? We don't want to to point to this and say, well, that's why. Because we we don't really, um, you know, as a fan base, as as, uh, even media to some degree, 
except that BYU is 4-5 and five for any reason outside of Jaron Hall being unavailable. And he's not been unavailable. He's been available. He's been playing hurt. The only time he doesn't play is when he's literally got concussions where he can't go. If he's got an injured shoulder, which is the case now, he's playing through that, right? This is, but it's legit. Like, the fact that BYU's had to play so many different people. Like, number 15 for BYU made a tackle on Friday, and I thought, I don't know who that is. Carter Krupp. It was Carter Krupp, as we talked about, who unfortunately got hurt himself in the game. This is a real deal. So my, my thing is, yes, it absolutely is a legit reason for why BYU is 4-5. and five. Are there more reasons than just that? Absolutely. But I wonder why BYU is getting so hurt. This feels like it's a somewhat consistent. Well, consistency is either, it's either consistent or not. So this feels like a consistent thing that we've dealt with uh, over a few years. Last year, not as much. BYU overcame that with the fact that Tyler Algier was healthy. I think if Tyler Algier is on this team, BYU's probably two or three wins better. Um, and he was able to play all year. That was a big deal. Without Jaron question. Hall was not able to play all year. Listen, last year, when you've right? got an NFL running back and an NFL quarterback together, you have double-digit win seasons. That was special against that schedule, right? And the Pac-12 must have been pretty bad or something. I don't know. Uh, but, yes, this has played a factor uh, in how this season has gone. Is there way more to it? Is there coaching decisions? Are there, uh, you know, lack of uh, making a play in a certain moment? Is there, yes, uh, Mason Wake and Caleb Hayes, yes, those moments are like, oh, shoot, that play didn't cost you the game, but that series of moments cost you the game. So that's, that's tough, and those guys have been uh, good um, outside of those moments. But, yes, injuries have played a factor. It's, we'd be naive not to say yes. Do we still expect the team to perform at a certain level despite not being the starters? Yeah. I don't even know if that's fair, though, honestly. I don't even know if that's fair. 42 different starters is a lot. And, frankly, because of injuries, BYU is now moving players midseason positions in some instances from – defensive line or offensive line to defensive line to be backups to shore up a lack of depth there that's a lot of different starters and maybe because BYU plays so many guys and we saw those line change substitutions going on more okay not anymore but while they were doing that there are just more players on the field so that mathematically means that the likelihood of having more players injured goes up as well so that maybe plays into it a little bit but I mean, we're discussing how much has it impacted the results. I'm going to quantify at least one game for you based on an injury specifically to Jaron Hall. And answer me this. If Jaron Hall practices all week and is not sitting out all week of practice leading up to the Notre Dame game and doesn't shake off the rust in the first quarter, do you believe that BYU wins that game? Because I do. The, the offense and Jaron were so out of the norm and looked notably rusty. I mean, just bad, right? Just look terrible in the first half. Yeah. I feel like if Jaron does not get injured against Utah State, BYU plays at least normal football in the first half against Notre Dame. And this is the old normal when BYU, we felt like BYU was a good team. Yes, they're right, 4-1. Right now, BYU's not a good team. I feel like that game was significantly impacted by Jaron Hall being injured. I'd certainly like BYU's chances, Spence. I think defensively, you're still letting Michael Mayer have 11 catches sure. on 15 targets. Sure, and but, the ball. but maybe you take the lead when it was 23-20 or whatever it was, right, in, in the third when BYU got touchdown, stop, touchdown, stop. 
maybe you put another one on the board there and you at least tie the game or take the lead. Well, it's 28-23, so you probably take the lead. Yes. Yeah, I, I like BYU's chances there. I can't say definitively well, they would have won. Listen, listen. If Jaron Hall is in a normal mind frame, okay, that first pass is not intercepted. Okay? I, he, it was like all the rust was coming off collectively in that one throw to Gunnar Romney. You can see it coming out of his shoulder pad. <laughs> it, was, it was super weird. Like, iron oxide just clearly, spilling out. Clearly, in that moment, we were like, what in the world? Like, if he's, he's that okay. hurt, why isn't Jacob Conover playing that, there? That's a fair question. Be, like, but still. like, And I love that Jaron like, fought through and played, but, but does he, him playing, he's obviously a better option than Jacob Conover, according to the staff there. I have concerns about uh, BYU does not have two one and out drives if Jaron Hall is a little bit better is my is my point. I love one and outs when you score. <laughs> In fact, BYU had a one and out against USF. Oh uh, yep. Pukin, yep. and when we say out, that's not really out. One and score. But yeah, no, I, I feel you. I, I feel like he's been a different player. Since he's been injured, he's getting better now, and he looks yes. better, certainly. So After gonna... his interview, I'll show you the numbers of first five versus last four with him. Crazy. There's been a dip since he got hurt against Utah State. So I, I think Again, why would we game. ever schedule Utah State again? Don't do it, Tom. Don't do it. We don't need it. And quarterbacks just get hurt. Don't need it. There's at least one. Come at me, Utah State. Let's go. I feel like there's at least one. Like BYU, I like BYU's chances in the Notre Dame game, and – Maybe you don't go into such a funk after that game. I don't know. At least BYU's five and four if Jaron Hall does not get injured at Utah State is what I'm trying to say. They are not dealing with a four-game losing streak, and maybe they go and beat Liberty or they beat ECU because I don't think BYU better. beats Liberty. Probably not. That was too big of a margin to feel like probably Jaren's not swing 25 points. But I, the Notre Dame game, I pinpointed immediately. I was like, okay, what? What type of impact have injuries had on this season, and how, is it, how can we quantify it in terms of wins and losses? I point to that game specifically as a huge turning point game. With Jaron not okay, BYU loses that game. So I think at worst, BYU's 5-4 and four if Jaron does not get injured against Utah State. Because you lose to Oregon, you lose to Liberty. You just get blown out of the water by get, those I mean, two teams. By you, the way, Liberty didn't – shoot out to Arkansas. I'm not saying BYU beat I don't the think Arkansas BYU beats Arkansas. Either, I think, that was more about defense. Yes, yes. By the way, Liberty didn't make the top 25 of the college football uh, playoff poll, but they are in the AP poll at 23. But maybe BYU beats ECU. What – yeah, yeah. Although Aaron Roderick said, no, he's – He's good. There's no – he's taking all the snaps. Like, if you have Christopher Brooks all year, that's been a big thing. And, and frankly, like, you need, pl- you need the main guys to show up uh, and play at a certain level to win. Last year, Jaron Hall was really good, right? Um, there have been games where he struggled a little bit. Some of that is uh, injuries to running backs, and you don't have always the same guy back there. Um, and you can't expect – you know, BYU brought in Chris Brooks to be awesome. I drafted Zach Wilson, who struggled, and Chris Brooks in fantasy – and they've not been great. And that's why I'm 0-9. Like, th- those guys didn't show up. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't draft well, apparently, in that. But, yes, this Saturday, it's like if Chris Brooks is uh, doubtful, okay, Lupini Katoa, got to make it happen. Although in 2019, we weren't like, you know who's going to win this game? Sione Finau is going to run for almost 100. <laughs> and Matt Bushman is going to have two touchdown catches on trick plays. A third-string quarterback's going to lead the charge. Baylor Romney was like, who is this guy? 
Uh, and BYU broke the, the slump then. They were 2-4, and four, and perhaps they can do it this Saturday. BYU did it with an injured roster in 2019 against Boise State. We need it to rain a little bit mm. to just simulate rain all Rain is in the forecast, the Jeremy. Yes. 90% chance of rain on Saturday. And there's a 91% chance of a BYU win, says <laughs> no one. Okay, topic two. Ken Pomeroy projects BYU men's hoop to finish with a record of 22-7. and seven. Two TBD games in the Bahamas. He's not projecting those. Would you take... That right now. A million percent. Yes, next. <laughs> me, me too, dude. 22. <laughs> 22 I would take 22 wins seven? right now. Woo! So Ken Palm loves BYU by his loves BYU. Lives in Salt Lake, a little bit of bias there. I'm just kidding. They're all numbers. They're all numbers. So maybe he knows something that we don't know because you and I, and I feel like a lot of the fan base collectively, are kind of like, I don't know what to expect from this BYU basketball team. That's a freeing feeling, I'll be honest. Like, every year we go into, like, oh, they're going to make tourney, and I'm typically like, eh, I don't know. 22-7 and seven would okay. put BYU basketball probably in the NCAA tournament. They'd be super bubblicious, yeah. yeah. Like, 22-7, and seven and you're going 11-5 and five in the West Coast Conference? So you're getting two more regular season games, plus at least one in Vegas, you hope, two or three. So it's, it's an incomplete assessment. So maybe somewhat. you're like 24-9? and nine? But if he says 22... I'd take 22 right now. And, and just a reminder, coming up, we'll give you our season projections of yeah. all kinds of things, including win and loss records. Zero hesitation because BYU's got some tough games. Like Let's 20, walk through it. 22 and 7 would, su- would suggest that BYU's winning some of these really, really big games. Okay, let's walk through it. Six A games, according to Ken Palm, at San Diego State, which, by the way, is next Friday. Huge game. BYU wins in Viejas. They always do. It's awesome. Uh, USC in the Bahamas. Creighton, that's a return game neutral in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Zags twice, and he has at St. Mary's. B games at Santa Clara, at San Francisco, who's not going to be as good as they were last year. They were 11 seed in the tourney. Todd Golden went to Florida, new head coach. St. Mary's at home. So there, there are plenty of opportunities here for BYU to get some quad one and two games. And a reminder that next year, uh, BYU is going to hopefully mail it in in non-conference because in conference – Every stinking game minus like two will be a, or B. Will be a quad one or quad two, yeah, all which of them is will be just a- nuts. Yes. They're going to play twice as many quad one and two games as they've uh, typically play. Well, no, it'll probably be like plus five to seven, but it's going to be so difficult. Well, when BYU is playing in their multi-team event, uh, the MTE, we mm. love that acronym, right? They're going to probably get at least one more A or B game. The hope is you beat USC and you will get a Kansas or a Tennessee type who are top sure. 10 teams. Like, I think BYU is going to have one more A or B game in that tournament, which yeah. makes it even more difficult. You need top 50 teams at the, uh, on Selection Sunday I mean, to fr- be. Frankly, if BYU fun. wins 20 or more games, I feel like this season has been a massive success. There are so many new pieces involved in Mark Pope's roster. 12 of the 18 are new. Which, is, which makes. You know, it's hard to understand or to kind of contemplate of what this team's actually going to yes, do. Yes, I have no idea. How good is Jackson Robinson going to be? No Noel, idea. Noel Waterman. Rudy Williams has to be really good. Like, Rudy Williams has to be at least second team all WCC. At least for BYU to have a shot. If he's not, BYU's got no shot at even the NIT, in my opinion. Like, he has to be good for them just to make the NIT, let alone the NCAA tournament. Just maybe there is enough camaraderie and belief. Because I'll tell you what, this team will bring energy. Like, I feel like this BYU team will play high energy, all game, every game. They have gone all in on disruptive defense, the length, the... The uh, length's legit, by the right? way. Right? 
Okay, like they're they're like five height. dudes with seven foot wingspans. Yes, we're talking long. And there are no seven footers on the team, which is pretty wild. Yeah. Okay, so super athleticism, a lot of length uh, in terms of defensive stances and arm length, not height so much, but just effort and hustle and cr- it's yeah. going to be ugly. Like they want to make it ugly and get up and defensively. down the floor. Yeah, and- I wouldn't call BYU overly athletic to me, but I think defensively BYU's got length and they're going to put forth an effort on defense to. Try and get up and down. Now, BYU's got to be in great shape to do this because to play great defense and get up in transition is difficult. Sheesh. There's a reason that a lot of teams don't do that. Well, I mean, I'm looking at Atiki Aliatiki and Fusini Traore and Rudy Williams and Jackson Robinson and Gideon George, and all five of those guys scream athleticism to me. Like, so, like, when I look BYU's at. never been convicted of being overly athletic. In basketball. True. You know what True. I mean? So I feel like but this there is... are there are some guys who provide a different look. Yes. I yeah. feel it's a little bit different that way. Like, yeah. oh, okay. They want to play crazy defense and get up and down and, and do this with It's ambitious. But 20, when has Mark Pope not been ambitious? When is he like, seven? no, no, no. We're you know what we're really doing? We're going 17 Is Ken Pomeroy's no. metric ambitious here? It kind of feels that Numbers way. Numbers no no ambition. They don't know emotion. They just compute. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. First college football playoff rankings of the season are out. BYU streak of 11 straight polls is over. Spencer, how long before BYU makes an appearance in the CFB rankings? Ooh. Jaron Hall comes back next year and BYU starts 3-0. and oh, No, it's not going to be next year most likely. Neither of those things will happen. Yeah, it's, <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. It's not going to be next year. I hope for both. It just, it, the transition into the Big 12 is going to be really, really tough with the new quarterback. Uh, we're trying to get to a bowl eligibility situation for BYU next year. Yeah. Probably, we're probably two years away from that. 24. Yeah, before BYU appears in the college football playoff rankings again. 24, BYU starts 3-0. After a win against Utah. <laughs> well, the in, problem uh, is, game three. you got to be good in week eight because that's when they come out, right? That's true, you're right. Nah, might be 25. <laughs> we're, probably, we're probably two years, at least two years away. From it might that. be a minute. Yeah, and that's okay. BYU's got to build to that. It's, it's okay. BYU's got to build to that. All right, pick six previews ranks the top defenses in the Power Five based on opponent adjusted per play statistics. Mm-hmm. Of the 66 Power Five teams, BYU's defense is currently 55th. BYU considered P5 in this. Okay, so 55th, eh, not great. But Stanford is ranked 56th, Jerem. Does this guarantee a win on the farm at Stanford? No, no tree uh, guaranteed a farm. No, no, this doesn't guarantee anything. Nothing is guaranteed right now with BYU football. No, these Stanford and BYU are, that is a very, very intriguing game because Stanford has struggled on offense. They're physical, have a physical defense. They beat Notre Dame. They've lost some head scratchers. Like They should have beaten Oregon State. They blew it at the end. I hate so much that it's probably headed to a scenario where BYU's five and six and has to beat Stanford to get to a bowl game. That's kind of what that's kind of the direction that feels like we're going. I kind of expect that. Uh, I would be surprised and happily surprised if BYU wins this weekend. Beat Boise, Boise and State. don't even worry about it anymore. Beat, beat the whole Utah city Tech and then you're bowl eligible. And the Broncos. Manuel yes. Acho says Fred Warner is the best linebacker in the NFL. Is Acho wearing blue goggles or does this still hold? No, it absolutely holds. I saw a video yesterday called Fred Warner a heat-seeking I missile. I saw the same video. You probably retweeted it. I was like, dude, 
He's he, seeking he, missile. He goes 30 yards across the field and just dives after the guy and hits launches, him mid-air. Just launches. Like, Fred Fred is way better than we thought he'd be in Fred's the NFL. Incredible. Like, at BYU, he was an outside backer, and he was really good. Like, top three rounds kind of guy. But in the NFL, this guy's been a top five pick kind of performance. I mean, it's been unbelievable. No, he's not wearing blue goggles. It's been awesome. He's calling what he sees. Like, Fred was on the NFL's top 100 players. It's this not year. a hot take to think he's no. still the best middle. No, not at all. He's still in he's that space. He's all pro Fred. Like, in a year or two, he's, he's probably out of that because you only maintain that level of greatness for so long. But Fred's been amazing. I mean, Bobby Wagner did that for a long time, right? The Utah yeah, State guy. Yeah, absolutely. Fred's Nin kind of in that same Fred, area. Has Fred had the 99 Madden thing? I don't think, right? No. Not yet. Okay, once he gets to that level. It's okay. even higher, bro. He's he's the best. Who's better than Fred Warner, linebacker in the NFL right now? Middle linebacker specifically. Yeah. Who's better? I don't know. He might be the best. Player. Tyler Algier, speaking of NFL guys from yep. BYU, is ninth among all BYU alumni in NFL rushing yards, now compiling 324 in his rookie season. Five of the players ahead of him are former BYU quarterbacks. Can we name them together? Okay, let's talk through this. So obviously, Steve Young. Yes. Taysom Hill. Yep. Uh, I'm thinking Jim McMahon. Jim McMahon I, we have not looked lot. this up, no, but Jim, I was just doing Jim some Jim had research. to run a lot. Jim had to run a lot. Uh, Walter Payton wasn't always doing that. Um, I, I wonder if Zach Wilson has more than that, probably, so, so Zach's right? Zach's had some explosive yep. plays running the ball, right? Yeah. Um, and so, then, is it is it Ty Detmer? Ty was in the league forever. He was in the league a long time. I wonder if, I bet it's Ty. The other name I'd throw in the mixture is Virgil Carter. We like to run a lot as well back in the day with the Browns. Sure. Did he run more than 324 yards with the Browns? Could have. I, I don't know. I okay, okay. So, so we said Young, Hill, McMahon, Detmer, Wilson. Oh, we're we going to throw on Carter over Detmer. No, no Carter. We'll, we'll okay. go Detmer. Because right, this rolling. doesn't include sacks in the NFL, right? Right. Young, McMahon, oh, Hill. Mark Carter Wilson. is fourth. Oh, Mark Wilson. What? Okay, Mark so we Wilson. only got three of the five. How about that? How about Steve Young ran for 4,200 plus yards? So Zach Wilson has less than 324 rushing yards right now? Probably because he's been injured. In the two years? Yeah, that probably makes sense. 229 for told. Zach Wilson. Look at look at Taysom, by the way. Let's keep an eye on that. He might get 132 on Monday night football against the Ravens and no. pass Jim. Let's go. Look at Steve, dude. <laughs> That's why he's the GOAT in the NFL. Unbelievable. Not even close. Mark Wilson. Shocker there. Mark Wilson. We said Wilson. We just yeah. didn't have the right Wilson. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Jaron, we turn the page to a new month and just maybe a new slate for BYU football as you go into November. How would you define the morale and the atmosphere around BYU's football program right now? Uh, excitement for new opportunities. You know, as, as much of a bummer as it's been the last couple of weeks, um, some tough games, some tough losses. I feel like every week, every Monday, we come back together, we look at the film, you know, kind of get over some of the heartache from Saturday or from Friday, whenever it was, and just embrace the opportunities. That's football. Um, that's college football. There's a lot of great teams out there, and there's a lot of talented teams that come up very short. And that's that's been our case the last couple of weeks for whatever reason. And so 
luckily for us, feel like we have a group that's, that's hungry enough to, to still make the most out of the situation. What have you discovered about your team and yourself and more importantly, the issues that are causing the four-game losing streak? We, we just got to be more consistent of, you know, every guy having their best game. I think, uh, I think it really just comes down to relying on each other, um, playing with more confidence, playing with more belief in each other. I just think looking back, you know, to, to some of the best games we had early on in the season and then some of the best games last year, I just think a lot of it was guys were playing excited with each other, um, loving the game, appreciating it, having gratitude. And I think there's there's just been times this year where we've kind of lost that confidence, lost that edge, you know, as we've you know come into our third season of being a really good team. I think we just 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 haven't handled that kind of that mantle well enough to be the the team that a lot of people are coming after. And so we got to get back to having a chip on our shoulder and, and every guy, you know, showing up every Saturday, excited to play and looking forward to playing their best ball. BYU clearly played better against ECU than the previous week at Liberty. Is that enough to get that confidence back or is it going to take a win to fully reestablish the confidence? There's nothing, nothing can boost your confidence more than a win. I mean, as much as you love to play good, sometimes when you play really hard and you lose it, stings even more because that usually comes down to there's only a couple things you know that could have changed that game and that hurts um, especially coming off of three tough weeks and you get so close and then you come up short again I think for us you know we we got to get a win under our belt that's why we play this game as much as we love being here and, and being a part of this culture I know fans want to win I know our families want us to win and, and no one wants to win more than us and that's why we play this game so um you know, when you win, it's, it's, there's no better feeling. So we just got to handle our business and then get another win under our belts. The quarterback position by nature is a leader on any football team. What is your role as a leader on this BYU football team? Just keep guys together. Um, keep the focus. You know, the main thing, the main thing is our focus. That's, that's what it comes down to. There's so many distractions nowadays in all of our lives um, as college athletes so many distractions with, with media being involved now and social media, just reminding guys that the only, you know, the only influence, the only, you know, opinions and, and the things that matter come in this building. It's with our family. You know, when you got your own personal family issues and other things, you keep it in your family. You don't go put it out, you know, for your friends or your, your in-laws and other things, you keep it where it's, where it's supposed to be with each other. And so for us, it's, you know, that's, that's where you really take these situations you know, upon yourselves, you keep it here, you keep it in your tight circle with your loved ones. And, and that's our football family. And so, you know, we really just got to band together and, and and keep each other focused on each other. That's, that's what it comes down to. We play for each other and, and that's it. And so I think that's just the, the way, you know, you take on that leadership in those situations, I think. It's interesting you bring up that family dynamic because I know your dad, Kalen, is a source of a lot of wisdom and football knowledge for you. So, what types of conversations and things are you having uh, with with your dad in that regard? Yeah, every week it's it's accountability. You know, looking in the mirror, um, being a mature and grown enough, playing this game to understand there's things that you can always do better. Especially as a quarterback of any team, you you have the ball every play, and there's opportunities to be better. There's opportunities to to help your team out. When someone doesn't do something, you can make up for that. Um, when you make mistakes, you got to own up to that. Make sure everybody knows that you'll be better. So, you know, every game it's about accountability, and then it's also about you know not being too hard on yourself. Understanding that it, it is a tough game to play, but you know the more you're prepared, the more you love and cherish the opportunities, the better. And, and most importantly, that 
you know, there's never any pressure. You know, as long as you're prepared, it's just an opportunity to go out and play a game you've been playing since you were a little kid. Do you feel like you are back to full health at this point? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yep. So that has nothing to do with uh, anything that has happened, let's say, in the past two weeks. No, no. Fair enough. Jaron Hall with us on BYU Sports Nation. Jaron, when you look at the Boise game and the opportunity, that's the word you use, to turn things around, if there's one aspect of the offense that you could change to be a little bit better, what aspect would that be, whether it's third and fourth down conversions, it's the pass game in general, the run game, what do you think? Yeah, getting back to to being an explosive offense. Um, You know, each week there's some part of our game that's really good. You know, passing is good. Um, like last week, running was really good. Passing was efficient, but we didn't have a ton of explosive plays in the past game. So, you know, as you look over the last two and a half seasons of BYU football, the best offenses and when we've been thriving in each of those years was when the run game is hitting explosively and the pass game is playing off of that. And so, you know, now that we've been able to figure out some things in both a pass and the run game, it's time to just put those things together and be a complete offense that's explosive. And that's something we, we harped on a couple of years ago and it became our identity. And, and I feel like we've, um, you know, we've kind of gone away from that. And so that's that's on us as players is just straining it a couple more yards, straining to finish blocks, um, straining to stay in the pocket and make a throw down the field and then going and catching the ball. And so in every phase of our offense, we just got to be a more explosive team. And I think I think it'll come. How much do injuries affect your inability, per se, to be an explosive offense with the likes of Gunnar Romney being out and Puka having missed multiple games. And now we find out that Cody Epps is out for the season. Those type of guys, Chris Brooks is still banged up. How much does that impact your ability to be explosive? Yeah, it, I mean, it definitely has an impact. Um, you know, when guys can't get in their rhythm and they're, you know, they might be in and out, it's tough. But at the same time, you know, we're, we're everybody that steps up is fully capable of filling in and, and making the plays they need to make. You know, it's all about understanding your responsibility, starting with where you line up, um, understanding different looks, spending time in the film room. And if you do that, you can overcome any sort of talent drop off or athleticism drop off. You can overcome those things with just being prepared. And so I think that's something we've done well at, you know, our receivers, especially as we've had, a, you know, some injuries in that room throughout the year. So it, I think, you know, as much as you'd love to have all of your guys together, football is a physical game and, and that's never promised to anybody. And, and most teams don't go a whole year, you know, with those rosters filled. So um, just about us being prepared, guys being confident. And so I think this week we just got to bring confidence into everybody to just have their best game and, and, and play the way they know they can. What type of opportunity do you see going up to the blue against Boise for the last time in what could be a very long time before the Cougars and Broncos meet up again. Yeah, it's a game that's that's talked about often around here, you know, in the state of Utah, the state of Idaho, right next to each other. It's a game that's always talked about, no different than Utah or Utah State. You know, it's a, it's a rivalry game, um, history between the two teams, and it's always it's always a well-fought game. You know, we've we've been on both ends of that since I've been, you know, here at BYU, and I've seen the good and the bad, and I've seen the emotions that go into it, and so – you know, they they had their rough start. They have some things they work through and they're kind of on the come up now. You know, they've they've done a good job of getting through some of their adversities through their coaching changes and, and quarterback changes, roster changes, all that stuff. And so now it's, you know, it's our turn. We got to be a team that's that's mentally tough enough to come out of our, you know, our slump, if you will, at this time. And and no better way to do that than, than a rivalry game where we know there'll be a lot of energy and, and a lot of opportunity. 
You ran more against ECU than you have in previous games. Was that a concerted effort to do that, or was that more of just a situational thing? And will we see you do that more moving forward? Yeah, it's a little of both. You know, watching their film, they're a big drop team. Um, you know, an out front team, rush three a lot. Love to play some some drop coverages and um, you know cover eight, cover uh, cover eight stuff. Stuff that we talked about in in, in fall camp. Actually, uh, you're asking me about throwing against those those drop eight teams. But uh, we were just aware that if they wanted to drop out and try to keep a cap on our receivers, then there'd be opportunities to run. And so there were a lot of chances, you know, to, to do that. And I just took the opportunities they gave me, um, you know, to and it's, it's tough for a defense, you know, to do that when you have an athletic quarterback. So when there's opportunities for me to get out and do what I need to, I, you know, um, I try to. And, and, and it worked out Saturday. Out of curiosity, do you feel faster on turf than you do on natural grass? I don't know. I uh, I used to think that. I, I used to think that back in high school. Uh, probably, I mean, probably still. I think so. Yes. Fair enough. On the blue turf at Boise, um, what do you know about their defense and how they're going to try and slow you and the Cougars down? Yeah, physical defense. Um, some returning guys in their secondary that we played against last year. Um, some really good linebackers, physical defensive front. Um, yeah, just a, just a physical team. They play hard, you know, and, and they play for full, four quarters. They've had some tough games this year, some close games. Um, they've had some really good defensive games, honestly. Um, and they've especially the last couple of games been starting to figure it out a little bit more. And you can kind of see the, the confidence they play with. Um, and so it's a good opportunity for us to, to see what we're made of as an offense going against a really good defense. Jaron, let's uh, do our part and give you some BYU Sports Nation karma to take to the Boise Blue, man, and, and turn this thing around and get BYU going back in the right direction. We appreciate the time, as always, and I uh, wish you the best of luck up north in Idaho. Thank you. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Cougar Whip Round is presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Boise State reporting that there's less than 3,000 seats left for uh, the game Saturday against uh, Los Pumas. You shocked that it's not a, a sellout up at uh, Albertsons? A little bit, uh, although BYU being 4-5 and five doesn't help. Boise State's kind of turned it around. I think it may have to do with the weather as well. It's supposed to snow and rain this weekend in Boise as well, so... Uh, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, I, I'm shocked only because I just assumed with this being the last game between these two for who knows how long, I figured all the Boise State fans would uh, would get those tickets just so they can go up and boo BYU. I'm, I'm actually very surprised it's not a sellout. I really yeah. am. Maybe weather related. So far, BYU's off to a good start in their last November 2022. Will it survive the weekend? Can we? I don't even want to start. I'm not even starting with no last November. I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not starting it. If we, the only way you just finish it. You let it happen, then you can enjoy it. If you plan on it, you're setting yourself up for disaster. So I am. I'm washing my hands of this. I'm out. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if it lasts the weekend. I really hope it does. At Boise State, in particular, in football. All right, Santa Clara women's soccer. Uh, their team is tied uh, tied with Gonzaga last night. 
That opens thank the door. Thank you, Chris Watkins. Yes, thank you so much. That opens the door for BYU women's soccer still to either have a share or an outright chance to win the conference. Yep, you see the point? Santa Clara at Pepperdine Saturday. Are you the biggest Pepperdine women's soccer fan in the world right now? I am uh, because, yes, with a win versus LMU and, as you mentioned, a Santa Clara loss or tie, BYU's got either a share or the championship yes. in the WCC, which is pretty exciting. BYU, two, two of its first three games, they tied. So that was tough, uh, but BYU's got a chance, man. So yeah, go Pepperdine Waves. Yeah, and the best part about this is that game is at noon. So an earlier start, like six or seven hours before BYU plays. So they're going to know the result of that game and really know what they're playing for in the evening. So yeah, absolutely, uh, go Pepperdine. Ottawa had a redheaded version of Mitch Matthews playing on the court last night, Alex Vili. Jason, do you agree with my comparison that he... Uh, Alex is the ginger Mitch Matthews. Um, look, I wouldn't have figured this out on my own, but when you brought it to my attention, I'm like, okay, I can kind of see that. And look, Mitch agrees, so... Mitch agreed. He said, good luck tonight, little bro. And then he tweeted at Alex Billy. <laughs> yes, he. that is absolutely the ginger uh, Mitch Matthews. And Alex was pretty athletic. He was Not pretty as athletic. athletic as Mitch. But, That's uh, that is true. Yeah, Mitch has elite athleticism. I was waiting for that word to show up. All right, a BYU fan said that he would wear navy and tan. That BYU fan may be Jerem. Uh, until the Probably Hunter Miller. Oh, it was Hunter Miller. I legit <laughs> didn't know it was him. Okay, so he said that he will wear navy and tan until the Cougar defense holds an opponent under 400 yards. <laughs> no. In the midst of the four-game losing streak, are we in the quote-unquote unleash all superstitions part of the season? I, I We might be. Uh, like, should we wear the bibs against Utah Tech just to, like, just kidding, it doesn't matter what jersey. But against Stanford, should BYU wear the bibs just if it's not going great? Look, I'm I'm up for whatever is going to turn something around. Yeah. That's all. That's I'm up for it. If it You're means all, all, if it means an all tan. Remember, I don't remember if it was you and I doing that show for you. Yeah, Spencer. So Spencer and I, we did Fools. an April Fool's Day. We yep. put out the mock of the new BYU football jersey, and it was a tan one. It looked pretty good. It actually, actually looked pretty good. It was more people thought we golden. were being serious. Yeah, it was more kind of golden. If you get golden, it's yes. nice tan. And, eh. I would wear an all tan. If, if we can just, whatever it takes to, to snap this streak okay, right someone, now. Someone bring some tan paraphernalia to the building, and I will wear it on tomorrow's show, okay? I will wear it. Bring it to the building, okay? Just say, hey, this is for Jim. Okay. All yeah. right, so you're, you're up for that. I'm up for that, yeah. You're all about, though, the, the, the proclamations. I'm going to do this. I'm going to shave my head. Yeah. Now I'm going to wear all tan. Yeah, I shave. I, a man of my word. Will you shave your head and no. wear tan? No. Yeah, well, I tried. No. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. As we mentioned a moment ago, Shep, Pete Thamel of ESPN reporting that Big 12 met with Gonzaga about potentially joining the league. Do you like the idea, potentially, of Gonzaga and the Big 12? I have very mixed feelings on this. Um, on the surface, well, sure, you, you bring in a basketball program like Gonzaga. Look, it's already the best basketball conference in the country. So you, you bring in a team like Gonzaga, well, sure, you want to bring them in. Then you start to think about it a little bit more. You start <laughs> peeling the layers back. All of conference expansion is based off of what sport? It's football, football. right? Last time I checked, Gonzaga does not have a football team. And all of the reports 
that I have seen have said, Gonzaga, is this is not like a basketball-only thing like we see a lot of times with football only wanting to join. If they're going to make a move, it sure looks like they're wanting all sports to go to whatever conference they jump to. My question is, with the basketball side of things already being set up at the top of the pecking order, yeah. with Gonzaga coming in, what are they actually bringing? They're bringing in another fantastic basketball program, a top-tier national championship contender, contender, you already have a couple of those in the Big 12 already. Yeah. If you're not bringing football, from a financial standpoint, what are you bringing to the table? Because at that point, in my opinion, all you're doing is siphoning off money. Now, I don't know what they would work out if you don't have a football team. I don't know how you could be a full-share member. I mean, all this how stuff How do you is, get football TV revenue? That's, what, that's what I mean. So, yeah. like, right now, like, I like the idea of it. It sounds good because we know that the competition in basketball would be fantastic. But I don't know if, they, if just bringing basketball in is bringing enough in from a financial standpoint that they add anything. I think at that point they're just taking away from the rest of the group. It's uh, NCAA tournament units is the financial ad uh, that Gonzaga gives and perhaps uh, a men's basketball contract, which I, I'm still trying to understand if that was football only in 2025, the TV right. uh, deal that we heard, or does that include men's basketball as well? Her, heard some men's basketball stuff in there, but didn't hear any numbers associated with that or if it's combined. So I, I probably need some clarification there. It feels like we both do. Um, it, yeah, perhaps there's a thing where it's like, well, this is football money, this is basketball money, then it would be okay. Yes. Because what, what, what we learned from a, a report from Sports Business Journal is that there is a pro-rata clause that only P5 schools would expand that same number of TV money per school. But it's only the ESPN part of that. Fox did not agree to that. And obviously Gonzaga is not a P5. And then John Canzano of the Oregonian, paper I had growing up, delivered right to my house back in the day when he had a newspaper, says the Big 12's prorated clause um, yeah, is 63% of the deal. So about 20 mil uh, for, from ESPN. Fox did not agree to that, like I mentioned. So maybe there's some clause there where it's, it's you don't get the football money you get the basketball money, which is significantly smaller, and it's beneficial for Gonzaga that way. So that's the money part of it. The, the competition part of it. How, how tough is tougher? <laughs> it's <laughs> because, already extremely tough. Like, because BYU goes into that league next year, and honestly, my, my first thought is like, okay, can BYU somehow go 6-12, and 7-11? and 11? There were teams that made the NCAA tournament at 7-11 and 11 in league last year from the Big 12. Like, can BYU pull that off? It's so hard. And you go, well, sure they can. Well, tell me the wins right now. What are they? Where are they winning? Because it's going to be so difficult. And teams coming to the Merritt Center, it will be hard for them as well. But you already have two Gonzagas in the league in Kansas and Baylor. Not to mention Texas Tech, who's been to a couple yep. Final Fours, I believe. Houston's a top 10 team. UCF's getting way better. West Virginia's always a challenger. There is not a bad team. Like in football, we said, oh, Kansas stinks. Then this year, they got top 50, top 60. Like they're at least in the upper half of college football this year. Game day went there when they were 4-0. It was crazy. So do I like the idea of Gonzaga in the Big 12? I'm not exactly sure because I think it's already going to be too tough. So you're adding, like, if we said, hey, Duke's going to the Big 12, do you like it? We'd probably be like, no, too tough. Or, yeah, going to Cameron would be great. We've kind of, we've kind of had that with Gonzaga already. Are we, are we good? Are, we, do we, are they the travel partner now in basketball because they're the other westernmost team? The Big 12 wants a Pacific time zone team, by the way. They want all four time zones. They don't have that. 
that time zone yet. They're looking for that team. Now, in football, they'd love to have it. I bet they'd love the four corners if the Pac-12 dissolves. But Gonzaga adding to the league certainly is interesting for Gonzaga because I think that would be beneficial financially. That's basically what Gonzaga wants, by the way. They just want to be included at the table to be big time. I think they're just tired of just knocking everybody around in the, in the WCC, getting a certain amount of money, which they negotiated more of the units from the NCAA tournament a couple years ago when they threatened to possibly go to the Mountain West. So they've done this before. This is not new. But if you have a great, if you're great at something, don't do it for free. The right. Joker said that in The Dark Knight. They're not doing it for free, but they want more money. They want more access. They want more big-time opportunities against big teams. They go and play a tough schedule. I, you know, I, I guess I'm not anti-Gonzaga to the Big 12, but I'm not, I guess I'm not super pro because I feel like it's going to be hard enough. Yes, yeah. It's like if you have, like, you know, two Lamborghinis, if you get three, we do, which we like, do. I, yeah. I, mean, I bring that up yeah. because it's we work it's be our really reality. Clearly, we're, we got but I mean, like, stacks. if you have two already, if you get three, does it really change much? You're still pretty well off it, either way. It depends if your buddy has four. Okay, you know right. what so I mean. So if you're like, going with that, like if you're Gonzaga and you look around, you go, well, why do, why are we making like beans here when we could be making fat well, stacks look, if, in a it, big league? Again, the financial part of it—that's what this boils down to me. And if you know, like you were. You know, talking about if it's a situation where they don't get anything of the football money. But I, I did read that somebody in the industry, because this was something that was brought up when the these negotiations, which we now know are done for the for the TV rights, the new TV rights starting in 2025. This was something that was maybe not outright brought up, but sort of referenced like, hey, this is something that could be a possibility. Somebody in that world said, well, even if Gonzaga joins, it's not, not going to change the game from a financial standpoint. So if they're not going to add a significant value and all they're going to do is take it away, and again, we don't know what that would be, if they're going to take a significant chunk, then I don't like it. If, if they're, if they're going to focus only on getting a certain piece of the basketball and it's not something that you're really going to feel from a financial standpoint, then I'm okay with it. My other question is, like, if you're not getting that entire money of Gonz- that Gonzaga if you're them, I don't know how the, the other sports in their athletic department can afford to do all of the travel that they would need to do, whether it's you know baseball or yeah. soccer. Now you're going to Morgantown. Now, you, now you're doing it, those. You've just been West Coast and BYU. Yes. I mean, yeah. if, if it comes down to this, would you rather have Gonzaga in the Big 12 or San Diego State? Gonzaga. Because? I, because then at that point, San Diego State does take well, a chunk? Well, uh, Because they're not, well, they're not P5. Well, neither are P5. You're right. And San Diego State, more wins in Viejas, which is what BYU does. Hopefully next Friday as well. Because they're, they're adding basketball. Good now, question. Good, good question. They would add a quality basketball team yes. as well, not the level of Gonzaga. But they would add other programs. There's a traditional rivalry there uh, with San Diego State over time, although we don't call it a rivalry, I guess. So, Yeah, good question, man. Um, depends what you want. At Every decision in life that you make is based on what you want out of that experience. What do we want out of potentially Big 12, uh, Gonzaga in the Big 12? I guess if they don't take away value, I'm not inclined to say absolutely yeah, not. Yeah, no, that's, that's my they whole thing. They don't add money, yes. that, and that's the thing. But maybe, and remember, Brett Yormark just, just uh, became the commission, so he's kind of in, in the acquisition business right. right now, and maybe it's not a financial as much as it is uh, uh, just street cred. Like, yep, and we got Gonzaga. Like, the biggest, arguably the uh, top three basketball program in the country right now like if you again if you can just add duke would you do it of course i think they would yes that's the case with gonzaga is it not like maybe it's a why not situation as opposed to breaking it i don't know brett yormark 
And also, this doesn't mean Gonzaga's going to the league. They just talk. Well, and the Pac-12 they were, is talking to them as well. They're sure. showing some interest, which is a little odd because, I don't know, last time I checked, they're also a religious school. Right. And I, I don't know, what, what's their well. research situation? <laughs> So, well, well so, played. Well I played. mean, so we well, know what I mean. the academics. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. look, I, they are talking with other conferences, <laughs> but this this just came out of nowhere yesterday, out of the blue. There was yeah. nothing about this, well, and all of a sudden they're in talks with the Big Twelve. It makes sense because uh, they were in town essentially. Right. They were in Texas playing. Why not at least chat? And it, again, we don't know the severity or uh, whatnot of, of this conversation, whether it's going to lead to something at all. But uh, they chatted. Look, okay. this is what it boils down to me. If BYU doesn't lose money in the deal, fine. If they do, they don't like it. Yeah, I don't it think, boils down to that I to don't me. think any of the team – the commissioner fulfills the needs of the presidents and chancellors of the league. He, he is the, the head, uh, you know, mouthpiece of that, the mm-hmm. head of the league. So it's – Vidal Vadova, if you will? No, the, uh, the, the uh, commish. He's the commish. But um, it, it, if that isn't met, if they don't want that, yeah. no, we're going to lose money? No, yeah. they're not going to do it. It's got to be a, we don't lose money, but we add them. Our football money stays ours, right. probably. All right, let's get they to topic. They suddenly add football. Yeah, exactly. Like, what? Let's get to topic number two. We will stay with basketball, however. Last okay. night, pretty impressive exhibition victory for the BYU Cougars over Ottawa of Surprise, Arizona. Um, what did you learn about this BYU team last night? I don't want to overreact because it's an exhibition game and it's the first one. But I'll tell you some of the things I liked. Um, Rotation indication. Spencer Johnson has not started a game at BYU in his two years. 61 games played, no starts. He started, he is starting on Monday. Uh, 16 points, six steals. He was fantastic. Um, And Mark Pope uh, had this to say about his performance. I'm super proud of him. He was our dim leader by far tonight, and he he was kind of a steadying force, and he was, you know, even with their thrust, I thought I did a great job about racing the ball down the floor. I thought he still was able to stay on his toes and kind of be aggressive. It was a beautiful performance by him tonight. Yes, it was. Dim is defensive impact metric. That's what they look at defensively. Um, yeah, BYU did a great job of turning uh, Ottawa over, 27 takeaways for 40 points. I mean, that was, that was monster. Bury also turned it over 19 points or 19 times itself and fouled 26 times in the game. Certainly need to reel that in. But it was a nice performance. I love the threes, 15 to 31, a lot of different guys making those, plus 16 on the glass. But NAIA school, I'm not going to read into that too much. Um, there was a lot of good, man. And, and the starting lineup, we, we got a taste. Uh, I, I felt confident about Rudy Williams, Gideon George, and Foose being in the starting five. Then we saw Jackson Robinson and then Spencer Johnson. I anticipate that will be the same lineup that we see on Monday night. The things that really stood out to me, number one was the three-point shooting. And, and yes, exhibition, yes, it was against an NAIA school. But what I liked, not just the fact that they were hitting as many as they were with the 15, I liked that for the most part, they weren't forced. They all came within the flow of the offense. And nobody hesitated. They, as soon as they got the ball in rhythm, they shot. And how, it, it felt like 80, 90% of them came in the corners. And BYU was feeling it last night. So I loved the three-point shot coming within the flow of the offense. The other thing I liked, and you talked about the starting lineup, in that starting lineup, 
the tallest player, and I realize, because Mark Durant and I on the broadcast last night kind of got into this, it's a lot about the wingspan, not necessarily your height, yes. but the tallest player in that starting lineup was Jackson Robinson at 6'7". Mm-hmm. So you can play a little bit small, and I thought that worked, certainly against the opponent that BYU had last night, but you have no Waterman at 6'11", and you have a Tiki on the bench that can give you some height if you need to go to a, a taller player, Longer wingspan. I like the what we saw from the freshmen. I thought all the freshmen, Dallin Hall, who's going to join us in our next segment, was extremely impressed with what we saw from him. Ten points in his exhibition debut. All in all, I thought it was a really good way for BYU to play a game right before you go into the regular season. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Petros Papadakis, uh, the captain of the self-proclaimed worst team in USC history. He is on the call tomorrow. Petros, what's up, man? Great to have you on the show. Always great to be with you guys, and uh, thank you. It's great to talk to you again. And I love the great state of Utah and football in the state of Utah. So uh, looking forward to this matchup. This has always been a good one, and I, uh, I hope it doesn't go away forever. Yeah, I, and that's something we were just talking about is uh, do we want Boise State in the future? Personally, I do not because in the Big 12, BYU needs to schedule some wins, uh, especially that G5 spot where you probably have one P5, one G5, and an FCS. I would say no because Boise State is a quality team. Now, BYU's needed this game as an independent, and it's been awesome. This has been my favorite series that BYU signed up for. But uh, it sounds like you want it in the future for BYU. Well, you know, I mean, for me, I'm not counting wins for anybody. <laughs> I just like I like good football. And, uh, you know, I understand, you know, there's two ways to look at it. One is, you know, where are we going to be at the end of the season and how viable are we going to be? And obviously that's a huge deal and projects to the future. Uh, but the other one is just the proximity of the schools, uh, a lot of LDS action in the state of Idaho, as you know, and uh, just a, a, it's a great fit. And there's a lot of respect, especially between these two coaching staffs. So I hate to see it kind of uh, go by the wayside, but I understand <laughs> your points. Uh, I live in the world, so I get it. Petros, Boise State got off to a nightmarish start. And, you know, in turn, BYU was playing really good football early in the season. They've kind of reversed courses, the two, and they've switched places. But we're still trying to figure out just how good Boise State is because their strength of schedule is 119th right now, according to ESPN's Football Power Index. How good is Boise State, even though outside of Oregon State, they haven't really been tested by high-level college football teams? Well, I think, you know, Boise State is a team that has been going through a transition, just like uh, a lot of teams, especially in the Mountain West Conference. You know, you have Colorado State trying to become an air raid team. Nevada's trying to become a more defensive team. Fresno had to figure out an identity without Jake Hayner and went two and two. And Boise had a similar kind of crisis. You know, they went down and lost to UTEP and fired their offensive coordinator, Tim Plough, as you know. And they kind of changed the identity of their team. They went with uh, Taylor Green, who I really like. Uh, he's a big, strong guy. Uh, is he the best thrower in the conference? Probably not. 
but they can get that big body moving and he's fast. I mean, he can run away from people on the edge and that really just opened things up for them because uh, different from BYU, Boise's best players are on defense. I mean, they have a lot of veteran guys who've played a lot of great football. Jackson Cravens, Matlock, Dimitri Washington, J.L. Skinner, Tyreek Jones. I mean, they have a lot of great names uh, of guys who've played at a high level for a long time that you guys have seen. So uh, they started to play more to that side of the uh, of the equation, and they changed their identity. And in that identity change has come victory. You know, you can't, you struggle to beat UTEP, and then all of a sudden you're controlling games in a much different way. But you're right. You know, they haven't really played uh, the best of the best, and it's kind of that way this year in the Mountain West. But they've had some great victories. They, they beat up on Air Force, who I really like a lot, and that's a hard game to prep for. And, uh, yeah, I think they deserve that ranking. You know, I think Andy's got them going in the right direction. And you look at the numbers, uh, and it's startling on defense. Top 12 in points allowed and, uh, you know, third downs and yards per game. Yards per game is 232. It's just like a stupid number, right? Uh, then offensively, they're only putting up 360, 5.4 yards of play. They're giving it away 11 times. They're actually negative margin. So do you feel like BYU, which is about a touchdown underdog, has maybe a better shot than Cougar fans are thinking? Because right now people are pretty down on the Cougs. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I understand the BYU's plight here. I, I played on, a, like you guys mentioned, that football <laughs> team in the year 2000. I'm not sure they weren't worse than we were last year, to be honest. But we were the, we were the only one that was last in the Pac-10 at that time. But, uh, you know, that kind of happened to us. We, we started the season hot, uh, and then we had some injuries, and we started to lose games, and they just – we started to find ways to lose games and the confidence kind of fell out of the bottom and we ended up playing like you know six seven eight in a row and you guys have done ten in a row so uh i know what that's like to see a team lose confidence and struggle to retrieve it when your depth is being tested i think that's how kalani put it the other day and i think that there's always a chance I mean, especially when you're playing a team. This is a Boise team that is not the explosive offense of yesteryear. They, they want to run the ball and play a much more possess-the-ball style of game. And I think that bodes well for what Kalani likes to do, but you have to be able to stop the run. And being unable to stop the run basically collapses you in a way, you know, it's like knocking over the foundation of the house you know at a certain point everybody is going to go down so i mean that's a huge concern but if byu tries to load the box and really obviously uh, sell out to do that this guy's good enough and they have some downfield threats not like last year with khalil shakir or anything like that but they have some guys and and he can hurt you there but uh i think the biggest part of it is just the fact that they've not been able to stop people from, you know, the second and five, you know, the third and twos of the world. People have just run them over as the game has gone on. And if Boise can do that, I think, you know, people will be down on the Cougs again. But I, I happen to think that, like Kalani said, this kind of game gets the best out of these guys. And I think they're bow their necks and 
all it takes is a few plays here and there, and, and we got a heck of a football game. So we're hoping for that. Petros Papadakis, Fox Sports analyst, is with us on BYU Sports Nation. On film, Petros, what's the most fixable thing for BYU this week? Do you think that they can turn around? You know, you just, I mean, you have to be able to make plays down the stretch. I mean, that's, if you play tight football and you have a bunch of people that are injured and your quarterback is under siege like Jaron has been and you have people in and out, you know, like they have guys that you're supposed to depend on just haven't been there for you. I don't know what the status of Chris Brooks is in this game. I mean, there's just been a lot of people beat up. So when you need to get a first down to finish the game against ECU, you got to get the first down. <laughs> you gotta, you've got to find a way to make that play. And I mean, other than that, you know, I mean, that's really what this kind of stuff comes down to I mean when you've dealt with a lot of adversity and really that's what football is all about you know football is not about being perfect we know that that's never possible but you have to be able to overcome adversity because it comes in some form in every game in every season in every drive and they just have not been able to do that and to me I don't think it's really a technical thing I mean to me and that's the best thing about being uh, on TV is I don't have to solve anybody's football problems <laughs> on film. Uh, but, you know, to me, you know, it's just you have to make one more play. You know, you're in these tight games and you've got to find a way to win them to turn your team around and to bring that victory feeling into your building for the whole week leading to the next one. You know, when you start to lose, it, it builds on itself in a negative way. And I think Kalani is a great coach. I mean, I, I have so much respect for him and what he does. Uh, they, this is not the first losing season kind of they've started to struggle with. I know he had one when he was there early. And uh, I think that uh, I think that they'll be able to turn it around emotionally. I don't know if that is going to translate into a victory in this in this game. We're talking to Petros Papadakis of Fox Sports. Don't ask him to solve your football problems. He's just a commentator, okay? <laughs> um, let's talk about the Pac-12 and the future there. Certainly, BYU is interested in that because rival Utah and whatnot. Big 12 just signed a new TV deal, feels somewhat secure. How are you feeling about the future of the Pac-12 and uh, the desire, obviously, for that league to stay together? You know, I, I love the league. Uh, as you guys know, I've worked it a long time, uh, ever since I was, you know, 24, 23 years old, I, uh, I've been a Pac-12 football analyst, uh, started doing the Pac-10 game of the week with Barry Tompkins, and we worked together for 10 years in 2004. So I've been, you know, to Pullman a thousand times and everywhere else. And, uh, you know, I love the league. That being said, 10 years ago, the Pac-12, they cut themselves and bled out for the last decade financially. They did a terrible deal. They got behind the wrong executive. They did not partner with people that wanted to partner with them and have money. Uh, the money when the Pac-12 would have been comparable to that of these other conferences if they had just gone with a TV partner to create their network. And maybe this is too much inside baseball for people, but basically that's been the $120 million gap between, you know, Purdue and Oregon State and so on and so forth. 
uh, as the years have gone on. The Pac-10, Pac-12, whatever it is, it's been dead since that deal has been made. Uh, It's dead. Uh, They're not going to garner the same kind of money with USC and UCLA moving on to the Big Ten. They could stay together and get another TV deal. uh, And I still love the conference and I love the matchups and I love the games. They're just not going to have the leverage that they would have had, that they had, you know, 10 years ago and that they uh, they would have with USC and UCLA involved. So they basically lost their chicken uh, many seasons ago, I guess, would be the way to put it. And uh, I'm not hopeful for the future, but I still love the conference and I still love calling the games. We'll see what happens with the uh, the new Big 12 and the the pack, new Pac-10. Uh, we'll yeah, probably still call know, it the I, Pac-12 and whatnot. Yeah, I got to be. I hate to interrupt you, but I think people should look at it in the in this kind of regard. Don't think of it as the Big Ten and the SEC. Think of it as Fox and ESPN, and just these two big entities. And they're going to start gobbling up things on either side. And we're going to end up, you know, out from under the umbrella of the NCAA and college football, like it already does, is going to look dramatically different, I think, in the coming years. And wondering about, you know, who's going to go where in this smaller scale is going to seem maybe a little bit uh, of a moot point, so to speak, because uh, I think more change is coming. <laughs> I think you guys can feel it, too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we appreciate the time, Petros. Thanks for the insight. I know you called the 2020 game uh, against Boise State. Now you're back for 2022. And uh, have a great call on Saturday. One day I'm coming to Provo. You yes. know, every year I go every year I go up to Sundance, but not the you know, not the not the, the film festival. I go to the real place, you know. And I love it, you know, and I see all the people coming up from Provo. I love the state of Utah. And uh, good luck to the Cougs. God bless you guys. Thanks, Petros. We appreciate it, man. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Coug Whip Round is presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. All right, Jerem, let's start off with BYU as a struggling team on fourth down this season, just five for 20 in 2022. Kalani Sataki said after the ECU game, BYU may have to work on their fourth down strategy. How many fourth downs will BYU attempt or conversions on fourth down will they attempt tomorrow against Boise State? Well, right now it's, uh, you know, uh, half of every two. (laughs) It's, It's struggling. Uh, I think BYU gets a fourth down conversion tomorrow, but I'm not sure. Well, and it depends what the score is. If BYU's playing from behind, they're going to have to go for it a few more times than not. So uh, I'm, I'm saying BYU's going for it three times, and they're uh, they're going to get one of them. In a game featuring two teams that are going to be so set on possessing the ball for long periods of time and, like, adamant on trying to run the ball, I- I'm expecting BYU to go for it on fourth down at least once. Now, converting that, that's a different story. I hope BYU is one for one on fourth down conversions tomorrow. I think they will attempt at least one fourth down conversion. In reference to the 2015 BYU Boys State game, Max Tooley tweeted, this game was the reason I committed to BYU, watching Kainakua do his thing. What's your fondest memory of the Boise State rivalry? 
It is that 2015 game. That was unbelievable, and you and I have talked about like the loudest environments we've ever experienced at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. 2015, when Mitchell Jurgens caught that pass in the end zone, that place, I mean, if there were a roof at LES, it would have blown off the building. It was crazy. And then it got even louder somehow when Kainakua intercepted Brett Rippon and took it to the house in front of Bronco Mendenhall, who was saying, get down, Kai, get down. He's like, nah, there's the end zone. I'm going. The place was going absolutely bonkers. That's my fondest memories, probably those two. And then, uh, you know, 2020 was fun, too, with Tyler Algier and company doing work. Agreed. Those were great. Although I didn't hear it. I was in the control room getting ready for the postgame show. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That was absolutely insane. Insane. Okay, on to the NFL, Jerem. Who's going to have more total touchdowns this week? Is it going to be Taysom Hill with the Saints or Zach Wilson with the Jets against the Bills? It's going to be Taysom because uh, Baltimore is 19th in points allowed, so he's going to get uh, at least one. Hopefully Zach gets several, but uh, he's, taking, he's taking on the best team in the NFL and the number one defense by points allowed in the NFL in Buffalo. Uh, a little bit of a spoiler alert here, but uh, I'm starting Taysom Hill in fantasy football this week. He's one of my starters. I'll give you the other two in a little bit, but because of what you just brought up, Baltimore does not have a great defense. Taysom looks really strong and fast. I think he's going to score some points this week. So I say Taysom Hill will have more total touchdowns than Zach Wilson will for the Jets against a really, really stringent Buffalo Bills defense. Taysom has always looked strong and fast. He was born as like baby Hercules, let's be honest. Okay, will BYU women's soccer win the West Coast Conference title Saturday? Ooh, I don't know, man. Like, this BYU has been in this situation before in the recent past where they just like needed things to work out. And so I'm not going to say, no, I'm going to say, yeah. You know what? I think Pepperdine is so desperate. Pepperdine has to beat Santa Clara to get into the NCAA tournament and be that third West Coast Conference Maybe. team. And they're home in Malibu. So I, I think that they will play with some significant urgency. And I'm saying like to have any shot to get in the tournament, Pepperdine has to beat yeah. Santa Clara to make a case. So I think they'll handle their business at home, at least get a tie, BYU beats LMU. And so yeah, they'll have at least a share of the conference championship. The reason that Santa Clara started so hot is because they didn't play any of the tough teams, right? But they, they won six, BYU tied two of the other six. That's BYU's problem right now. BYU's gonna pound LMU, who's 216 in the RPI. And then uh, they're going to know at, at uh, like 2 o'clock in the afternoon whether they uh, whether the, a win wins it or not. But uh, BYU needs to win regardless to have a shot. Well, we know that BYU is a virtual lock for the NCAA tournament with their RPI, which is, you know, top 16 last time I saw. Their record is really, really, uh, I should say their strength of record is really strong. Well, they don't have as many wins as they'd like. They're a really good team. They're going to be in the tournament, Darren. How many games will they host is the question. One, the first round. Uh, you kind of got to be top eight in the country um, to be a one or two seed and host that tournament. Although it does depend who wins here and there, right? Um, BYU hosted the fourth round, uh, the Elite Eight last year, because there were some upsets. BYU upset Virginia, USC lost, and so on. BYU was a four seed, I believe, and still hosted, so someone else as well. But yeah, BYU as high as 17 in the RPI as of this week, and LMU way down there, so that may go down for BYU because they're going to play a bad team. 
But uh, yeah, top 20 is great, and you're, you host a first round, then you probably have to go the, on the road for second. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Probably one game that BYU will host at Southfield, which is fantastic. A, a home game, get it going. Uh, it was similar to what they, they dealt with last year, and then see how the chips fall after that. And just maybe there's a second game at Southfield somewhere down the line. Perhaps next Friday. We'll see. Louisville got a slap on the wrist after alleged payments to two recruits. While Dave Rose lost two years worth of wins, and Yoli Childs had an extended suspension uh, for a paperwork issue a couple years ago. Uh, are you shocked by this? No, I'm not shocked. I wish I was shocked, but like this is par for the course with things like this. BYU self-reported in both of these instances. Don't self -report. And got the hammer dropped on them. Got got the hammer dropped on them. Whereas Louisville is, you know, skittish and not exactly, you know, being forthright about all this, and they get the proverbial slap on the wrist. So I don't get it, but. I understand, like, I'm not shocked at all. This makes sense because this is what has happened for years. Yeah, not shocked as well. Um, it, it was a, an issue with the, D, uh, you know, connection with Adidas. Kansas actually suspended Bill Self four games and someone, uh, one of their assistants. He'll miss the Duke game. You know who the fifth game is for uh, Kansas? It's Southern Utah. So good luck to the Thunderbirds once Bill Self, Self comes back. Uh, and that one, no, not surprised. Disappointing as always. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Playing against BYU in 2020 for Boise State was a little weird. His dad played at BYU. Now he was facing off against Zach Wilson and the Cougars as the Boise State Bronco quarterback. Now BYU QB himself, Fennigan, is happy to be in Provo. People that meet him now would probably put him in more of a fearless category about trying new things and being in a, in a crowd or performing in front of a crowd. You think back when he was a little kid, little things. I mean, he was anxious about uh, just, I guess, the world itself. Lots of stories about not wanting to do things just simply because I, th I thought it was scary. And in reality, it wasn't. I was different as a kid, for sure. <laughs> My wife, Amy, did a really good job with him as a child. The more I read about it, the more I realized that the best thing to do was probably just to make him kind of face these fears that he had. And that's what she did. Like literally anything and everything that made me uncomfortable, she just forced me to do it. Doing things like getting into musical theater and, and show choirs to force me into that kind of uncomfortable onstage situations. He was never anxious about playing football. He, he's always loved football. I always thought it was funny how you could have fears about small little things, but no fear at all when somebody's running straight at you and trying to, you know, tackle you to the ground. Ball was his first word. By the time he was two, he was throwing a football. It was just football, football, football. I've just always loved football. It's, it's always been something that's, that's part of me. I mean, I think even as a kid, I was just fascinated by the visual movement of it all. And so I think like part of that helped to where as a kid, I never felt uncomfortable in football, especially. It's just always been something I've loved. And when I'm on that field, it's, it's a different mindset. You know, I'm in a zone. I guess in my senior year, that's when most 
kids decide to serve a mission or not. At that point in my life, I thought a mission really wasn't for me. And a couple of schools in particular point blanked him and said, if you can commit to us right now that you won't go on a mission, we have a scholarship for you. And I really just looked at myself, I was like, you know, are you willing to give up on this opportunity to become a better man and a better disciple of Christ just to go play football? You know, as I thought about that a lot and prayed, I realized like, all right, this, this is what you need to do. You know, you need to make some changes. You need to go on this mission and football can wait for now. Once he really made the decision and committed to go on a mission, he felt a lot of peace about that decision and everything really worked out for him. I would just say it was the people that I met, the experiences I had and the testimony I gained that really led me to understand that I'd made the right decision. And so he was coming home from his mission with, he didn't really know what he was gonna do. I think we all felt a little anxious for him. He ended up applying to BYU and got in just as you know regular student. And he was just trying to decide what to do because he still really wanted to play football. And just a few months before he was scheduled to come home, he started to hear from coaches again. And all of a sudden he had you know, offers that were really beyond his wildest dreams when he left on his mission to begin with. So he ended up deciding on Boise State. And when he returned home from Argentina, he went straight out to Boise. So Pete Finnegan, in essence, the third string quarterback for Boise State has never attempted a pass the true freshman. It was really surreal because, you know, one, they're playing the team I played for in college. And two, he, had just gotten back from his mission. He hadn't played football in two and a half years. He'd been with the, the Boise team for, what, two months? I guess going into fall camp, I was pretty low on the depth chart, right? Because I was just expecting a red shirt. I was totally happy with where I was at, just learning the system. You know, I had plenty of time left in my college career, and so I felt good. But then that towards the end of fall camp and kind of coming coming up on the season, I'd moved up to like the third string quarterback, which still, you, you look at the third string, you're like, ah, probably won't play much, you know? But just with COVID and injuries and everything, I ended up being the backup for most of the year and, you know, getting into some crucial games, namely the BYU game, where I played pretty much that whole game. Man, when we played against him, I was impressed with him because he came in, quarterback got hurt, so he came in and filled in, and, and uh, that's a tough spot to go against a, a really solid defense. And I uh, didn't see a lot of shock in his eyes. I thought, I thought you could see that that baller mentality of like, hey, let's just see what we can do. And even at the end, he scored some points on us. That to me showed a lot of heart. It was tough. I mean, I felt like I let my team down. You know, I'm sure the Boise community felt that I let them down too, you know, I mean, it was a tough game. I think he kind of felt the weight on his shoulders that the loss was his fault. It was hard to, for him to deal with that. And I think it put him in a dark place a little bit because, you know, football, is a game and you want your kid to have fun playing. You want him to enjoy the journey, so to speak. And he wasn't enjoying the journey. I definitely say it was the most just, uh, I don't really, I don't even know how to say it, anxious, I guess I felt in a long time, right? Like since even I was a kid and it was just one game, you know, but in the end, like it was, it was a tough game. And that's not how I wanted my debut to go, I guess, as a college quarterback. But in the end, it was a good experience. It also helped me understand you can't win everything, you know? And in, in the end, w where are your priorities? You know, like, am I gonna let this define me? Am I gonna give up? Is this it for me? 
And so there's a lot of questions that came up after that, but I look back at it as a learning experience and something that I'm grateful for in the end. And it helped land me here. When we heard about him entering the portal and, and had an opportunity to, to bring him in, it was a no-brainer for, for the offense coaches, and definitely for me. I've been really impressed with him. I mean, this has been my dream school, too, <laughs> since I was a kid. So for them to want me to come to their school was, was pretty cool. I'm so happy that he's reached his goals to play college football. And I think now, you know, he has new goals. I think it's just wonderful opportunity for him. I can't wait to see him compete and now that he's eligible to go see where he can fit in that, in that quarterback room that's got a lot of talent, but he definitely belongs there. I want him to be happy. I want him to be content with where he's at. I want him to lift where he stands and be happy in that moment. And I think he is. I really think the time he's been here a year and a few months now, he's been happy. And that's all I could ask for him. He's happy where he's at. And, and I think BYU is a great spot for him. Deep Blue featuring Cade Fennigan. We learned Tuesday night on the coach show that Cade actually has a sprained ankle and won't be available in the game, uh, but good to have Kane at BYU. And a weird situation for him having played against yeah. BYU in 2020. And we, we always think like, oh yeah, cool, he got in, but no, he was devastated by how that performance went. Yeah, you think, oh, he got in the game, it's gotta be one of the greatest thrills of his life, and obviously it was, but the outcome, you just, you just don't think of it that much. And to hear him talk about how devastated that he was after that loss and how he felt he let everybody down, that's the part of sports that we don't talk a whole lot about and you got to believe that that's something that now motivates him now that he's here at BYU and who knows what the future holds for him. His mom referred to some big time offers. USC was one of those because Graham Harrell was at North Texas interested in Cade who was in the Dallas area at the time and coming off a mission he had real options so the fact that he's at BYU is great. He'll compete with Jacob Conover and we assume probably a transfer quarterback that will compete for the you starting would think so. next year. Yeah you would think that BYU would go the, the Juco route bring somebody in or or, or, D1, or, or D1, yeah, and see, just to have some, some more competition in that mix for next year. You know, you lose a guy in Jaron Hall that likely is going to be, you know, one of the top six or seven quarterbacks taken in the draft. You want to make sure you've got uh, enough options uh, in that quarterback room for next season. But Jaron, if you want to come back next year, hey, we, we'd love it. <laughs> it ain't happening, but we'd love it. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Tomorrow, Mike's the end of an era, Spencer. Uh, one that began in 2012 when the Cougars and Broncos decided, hey, we're going to play every year. And they signed a long-term deal. It's been awesome. Uh, it's my favorite series that BYU signed more than, say, two games, right? Quality games every year. ESPN or Fox involved. This year on FS2 because of the World Series. Wish it was FS1. But it's been sweet. Kalani Sitake likes it, and he wants it more in the future. Yeah, and the rivalry is, is, is big time for us, so we're, we're looking forward to this game, and just like we had with, with the Utah State game, you know, there's, we've got to keep the wagon wheel home, and this one we're, we're trying to keep the bragging rights from. We just don't know when we'll play them again, but I, I hope we can play them in the future, but for now it's just this is it. This is it is right. And in the Big 12, BYU will likely play one Power 5 a year, most of the time Utah, a group of five team, hopefully on the road or at home every time and never on the road, and then an FCS team at home. So, Spencer, do you want BYU to schedule Boise State in the future? 
As long as Boise State is the quality program that BYU would schedule in non-conference, I'm fine with that. But that would mean that it would replace a game with Utah. So I, I put Boise State in that kind of realm, a non-conference scheduling philosophy, because they're a really good program and a tough game. It will always be a tough game. So if BYU decides to schedule Boise State in the future, then that should probably be the Tier A game, then play a mediocre group of five team, and then an FCS foe. So if that's how BYU goes about it, I'm fine. I wouldn't say that I want Boise State over Utah, but if Utah opts for somebody else and BYU needs a good game and it's close and there's regional ties and we got the rivalry backdrop right, right now, why not? What I don't want, and I think you'll agree with me here, is BYU to play Utah and then have to play Boise State as well and then an FCS. Then I think the non-conference becomes too tough when you throw in nine conference games in the Big 12. So, yeah, I'd love to see Boise State on a future schedule if it comes to a scenario where they're the toughest non-conference opponent that BYU has. And it's not tough to travel to. I, I like the regionality of it, and, and I've, I've really enjoyed this rivalry game. I know you have, but scheduling philosophies totally have to change when you go into a Power 5 conference. Do you want to see Boise State on the schedule in any way, shape, or form moving forward? No, there's no room because I would like, a power, I would like Utah every year as the Power 5 game for BYU. Tom Hobel told us there will be a few years where Utah doesn't play BYU. They're not this and next year, right, with Florida. And then uh, in the future, BYU will choose sometimes not to play a, uh, a Utah because maybe they'll take a two-game series with Miami in the future or whatever uh, equivalent in Power 5. I don't see a, a way where Boise State would BYU would be the have the premier game be Boise State. I just don't see it. So, yeah, I don't, I don't see a Boise State game in BYU's future as long as they're still going like this. Um, and they're, they're, good, they're uh, good. I don't know if they're very good. They're definitely not great, right? Obviously, BYU's struggling. Um, but, yeah, I respect Boise State so much, I don't want them on the schedule anymore. Because BYU needs two wins at least every non-conference, Spence. Because if BYU goes 4-5 and five in league, that's, that's a 6-6 six and six season. We can't guarantee that BYU is uh, going to have a winning record in the Big 12 like quickly and every year. It's going to be a tough haul. BYU is going to work up to that for sure. Rebuild next year. Well, this year ends up being a rebuild without us thinking it was until literally this moment. But, yeah, I, I don't need Boise State on the schedule in the future. I respect them uh, so much. I don't want them on. Well, would it, would it be the worst thing, now, and, and bear with me for a moment, we're putting together a BYU schedule, let's say, five to seven years down the road. If Boise State were the toughest non-conference opponent, knowing that BYU has nine Power 5 games guaranteed in the Big 12, and they don't play any Power 5 games in the non-conference three, would that be the worst thing? Would that not, say, give BYU a better chance to get off to a quick start and still win a game against Boise, which will have carry, we think at that time, some respect. Would, would that be the worst thing if Boise State was the best non-conference opponent if we're talking about getting wins and piling wins early in the season? No, but even me, boo-hoo, the schedule's too hard guy, 
D still wants one P5 on the schedule in non-conference. And BYU has clearly shown that it wants uh, a P5 on the schedule in non-con. It's an interesting game early in September. It might be the only – like, BYU may have no P5 non-conference at home every other year, right? That's probably what's going to happen. Tom Hommel said he's open to multiple P5s, which I think is a little crazy, honestly, because they're already going to play nine every year. So, yeah, I, I just don't see BYU not playing a Power 5 in non-conference, especially because you've already scheduled a bunch out to, like, 2031 anyway. So it's just canceling everybody but the one game a year. No, I, I think you're right. I, I do not expect it. But if BYU has an opportunity to put Boise State on the schedule in the future and they need that game, maybe. They don't you know, need so, it. Yeah, it's they kind don't of a need bummer it. that it's going away. It, it, it's been a fun deal. It worked perfectly yes. in Independence. It was good and I now. appreciate yeah. that Boise State wanted to play the game every year. Yes, it was a fantastic gesture by Boise State to do this with BYU, and it created a really fun, budding rivalry that I feel like is a full-on rivalry right now. So it kind of stinks that it's going away, but circumstances are such that BYU probably doesn't need to add that game because things are going to get so much more difficult. So, yeah, I, I, would, I would like to see it at some point come back for a one-off, but it just feels unlikely. A, a one-off, so it'd be in Provo. The Power 5 team dictates that. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, for sure. Like, probably, or, or like, and again. Neutral side, we play in Brigham you know, City. A two for one is, is something that is often. They never do a two for one with BYU. No way. But exactly. No, they, they wouldn't do that. Yeah. They wouldn't do it. So it just it just feels way too unlikely. It's that over that tomorrow. Would be the case. End of an era. All right. It was awesome. Thank you, boys. Now speaking of it being over tomorrow, Jerem, <laughs> the last contest for BYU at Boise State. Oh, Crazy. We got to make some game day guarantees for a rivalry game that is going to carry some weight for who knows how long. Maybe forever. For Do this team ever play again? Guaranteed. Yeah, right. To be wrong. Wait, is Mike still on? All right, game day guarantees, Jerem. Recapping the numbers, I am 14 for 27 on the season. Over 50%. I'll take it. You are 7 for 27. 7. Combined 21 for 54 on our guarantee. i got to mail it in. Season. I'm working too hard here. Yeah. Hey, you're 30%, bro. 30% better than where you were a couple of weeks not, ago. Not good enough. What do you got for us today with your game day guarantees? I'm, I'm reviewed the numbers. I'm challenging that. Number one, uh, BYU will have under 400 yards of total offense. Uh, BYU has had less than 400 in four of the last five. Boise State gives up 232 a game. I just don't see how BYU is going to go north of 400. Hopefully they do. That'd be great. Uh, I'm happy to be wrong. Uh, Jaron Hall will throw two touchdown passes or more. He has two plus in every game this year. Two plus. That's what he does. Uh, or someone does. Sorry, Chase Roberts had the Baylor one. Correction on that. And then uh, George Holani, the running back for Boise State, is really good. He'll score a touchdown and get 100 yards because... He's averaging 116 the last five, and he has six touchdowns the last three games. Receiving or rushing, right? So uh, those are my guarantees. Yeah, George Halani's really good, and if we're being frank, BYU's 
run defense has not been great, so that feels like a solid pick in that last one. Okay, to my three guarantees. Number one, BYU will not fumble the ball away to Boise State. No turnovers via fumble, and I'm doing this because last year it cost BYU the game. Four turnovers, three fumbles at home. When Boise State ups at BYU, BYU's not going to fumble the ball away to Boise, even in rainy, yucky conditions at Albertson Stadium. Number two, BYU will pass for 200-plus yards. And I know some of you are thinking, oh, super aggressive, Spencer. Way to go out on a limb. You know what? Boise State only gives up 133 pass yards a game. Wild number. Their defense is really good. And it's going to be raining a lot. I still think BYU will find a way to manufacture 200-plus passing yards. Number three, in the Lopini-Katoa redemption game. He will score a touchdown, Jerem. Let's go! Lopini Katoa is going to score against the Broncos tomorrow. Redemption for Lopini. Somebody's going to score a rushing touchdown. It's got to be Lopini. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio. We'll be right back.